Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. In fact, that's a bunch of malarkey. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You've just tuned in to the greatest podcast nobody's ever heard of. DNR Radio. DNR Radio, welcome back to another exciting episode. And I can't hear myself. Hmm. Why can't I hear myself? You know why? Because I'm on mute. That's why I can't hear myself. <laughs> ah, the technical advantages yeah. of the modern world. <laughs> oh. Another fantastic weekend has passed us by. A lot of stuff happening. Oh, crap. So anyway, I'm Russ. That's Darkside. What's up, buddy? Uh, that was a long, tiresome weekend, bro. It was nuts. Uh, turmoil and just emotional stress. I'm tired. Emotional? <laughs> I'm just tired, dude. It's been a I'm telling you, man, my, my immune system's still kicking me. It's been just a tiresome weekend. It was emotional for uh, uh, my my stepson. We had his first ever pine car derby. Ah, uh, bo- uh, Boy Scout? Cub yeah, Scouts? Boy Scouts. Yeah, yeah. it's a, the Bear cool. Scout. So, oh, nice. And we worked hard on this. He wanted a, a, a Kirby. It was a, a video game character from the 90s. Hmm. So apparently he's made a comeback now, this old Nintendo thing. Oh, all right. And uh, so we had a... Paint it uh, a gold finger gold. Okay. And then I had to get a sticker for him, and he cut it out, and yeah, we lost every race. <laughs> you but. know, when I was in uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, I never won a single race. I mean, it wasn't even close. No. Nope. I, somebody now, now I don't know how many of my my stepson's uh, 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 scout families ever tune into the show, but uh, some of these cars. They were not made by no. five, six, seven-year-olds. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. I call bull crap. Even back then when I was a kid, I, I looking around at my chunk of wood, basically, right. which is what it was, a chunk of wood, and I'm looking at some of these cars like, like I mean, amazing, beautiful. It's beautiful like they put them in a machine. lathe. Yeah. And, and, and one of them was the Mach 5. Mm-hmm. And, and the kid was from the group level of the five and six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that a five and six year old knew how to do the flared fenders right. of the Mach Five? Yeah, I mean they make some beautiful woodwork. I mean there was some there was some high quality uh-huh. work here. Yeah, see, and technical and and yeah. scaled out and see for me the whole thing about the the pine wood derby was. I mean, it's fun, it's competition and stuff like that, but it's, you know, father-son time, you know, you're working together and they're, you know, I mean, that's basically the gist of what it's supposed to be. Right, it's supposed to be. My old man, when me and my brother were doing it, um, he he helped us, but we were on our own pretty much, you know what I'm saying? He oversaw, he showed us how to use, you know, the jigsaw and whatever, you know, whatever we were using to shape our chunk of wood, which still ended up just looking like a chunk of wood. But he was there to help us with that aspect of it, you know, and, and a little bit of guidance here or there. And we were proud of what we had created, right. you know. And we you did it made together. it with your yeah. hands. Yeah, and then we show up, and there's these fancy, uh, I mean, just aerodynamic, built by Pratt and Whitney type of freaking. R- I want to know the physics <laughs> yeah. that went into these cars, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. 
I'd love a, I'd love to be a fly on the wall while those cars are being designed and made. Five, six, seven, eight-year-olds? Come on. Right. Come on. I had no kind of dexterity to be working with wood at that point to I make mean, these things. He was getting beat by like four or five car lengths, man. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. it wasn't even close. Oh, same. Yeah, I never I never even got into the qualifying no, round. I mean, I just got blown out. And then I think, you know, it's kind of kind of unfair. Yeah. So like, It's disheartening for the kid. Well, and and so I hear my father is is helping my nephew, my godson up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So my sister's single mom, she can't do all this stuff. He's got to do his first ever pine car. Right. And so my father is helping him. He's having having him do the work. Mm-hmm. As it should be. But they have in in his pack area specific rules. You have to use the wheels that come in the kit. You have to use the axles that come in the kit. Because you know how it's supposed to be. There's hobby stores where you can buy like a plastic cockpit that you can put on there. Okay. Or you can buy uh, axles that are already burred and are are made with the powdered graphite that they use for lubricant. Really? Yeah. And See, we didn't have that when we were kids. So now his his troop to make it fair, you have to use what's in the kit. Right, and, that makes and yet, sense. right, and and it actually has to look like a kid did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> and what they'll disqualify? They said that they disqualify. Really? Kids. Oh yeah, they'll kick. See, them good out. for them. That, I mean, that's, that's got to be fair what it's for the kids. To be, yeah. I mean, we, that's what we had. We, you know, back back. Of course, I'm going back like thirty, you know, twenty five, thirty years ago. But that's what you know. You got this this package. Use what's in the package. Right. You know, you had kids there, and I do remember there was a couple kids in, in our groups that, you know, bored out little holes underneath and stuck a couple extra nickels in there and whatnot. And a couple of them actually got disqualified because they weigh the car. Right. To, it's it's got to be ounces. within a certain... Five ounces. Weight. Yeah. See, I didn't have to go through any of this with Connor, uh, with my son, because he, you know, he wasn't in the... He didn't get into the Cub Scout, Boy Scout he just explores. Uh, type of thing. He's he's into the police. He wants explorers. to shoot people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's into that type of stuff. Okay. Good for him. You know. Yeah. But uh, everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad I missed that aspect of it though because um, back then was proof uh, and still to this day proof that I have absolutely no business. Uh, working with power tools, hand tools, anything that cuts wood, nothing like that. I'm, you know, listen, I'm a manly man, but I'm not. I'm so not good with woodworking. No, we were just, we were so just talking about the. I'd oh, be coming did, in with a finger missing. You, you did good on the garden, setting up the, your rock garden there. That was her, dude. That was the old lady. I'm not. Good, I can't take credit for that. That was. I listen. I, I threw out my shoulder. I blew out my my rotator cuff and tore my bicep just doing yard work a couple years ago. I, I got no business doing manly deeds like that. So physically, you are the snowflake. I really kind of am. Yeah. I'm a tender little fella. I still have my safety pins from last week. Thank I'm you very much. Uh, yeah, I kind of hope you. I was kind of hoping you were going to wear one of them. Well, we're going to talk about them though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stuff going on. Oh my God, the world's on fire. Yeah, it is. So, our buddy, DJT, my buddy, he uh, <laughs> he's imposed that uh, uh, immigration <coughs> restriction. Yeah. For. Uh, People coming from a specific seven countries, mm-hmm. and uh, they're to be vetted, you know, detained, and if need be, shipped back. Yeah. So people blew up. I mean, the whole world. I mean, just blew up. Oh my God! How evil! How evil! How evil! Now, I had this discussion at work today too, in my regular job. However, a it's a campaign promise he made. Yeah. Okay. So everything he has uh, said he was gonna do. He's already putting in a motion. Whether you like it or not, 
Mm-hmm. He hasn't lied yet. So That's everybody that keeps about talking it. about, you know, he's such a liar. <laughs> yeah. and he's a, I'm waiting for a lie to come out because everything that he said he was going to do, yeah. he's going to ease Obamacare. Yeah. And and he, he signed that to executive order. Uh, he, he said he wanted to stop the politicking and the buyout of Washington. So he imposed the, the five-year lobbying ban mm-hmm. for administrative workers and then lifetime 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 lobbying ban for other members of his administration so they can never profit mm-hmm. from having the inside track and you know yeah so okay that's that's a little more drainage of the swamp right then he he promised to stop uh, uh immigration from certain terrorist nations until those people can be uh, uh died background checked and validated mm-hmm. so it's it's just funny because all these people are are having an absolute meltdown I get it, people. What it boils down to is we've been uh, inundated with policies and politics and politicians, for the most part, for years, who plat- you know on their pl- campaign platforms, I promise to do this, I'm going to do that. We actually have somebody in office now who who's said he's it. going to do something, he's doing and it. he's doing it, and people are freaking out. They're Whether not you like to- him or not, right. he's doing it. He didn't lie. Listen, everybody's freaking out. What are you freaking out about? He told you he was doing said this Said he was going to do it. Everything that's happened so far, he's told you all along the last 18 months of yeah, his he's been candidacy. And, and, and pounding it in. Yeah, this is what I'm... What'd you think? He was lying? <laughs> I mean, well, and I understand it. Like I said, people are so used to the, the politicians who say one thing and do another... That, that this is just a this is a culture shock is, it is. what it is. Nobody it knows how be. to nobody knows how to handle honesty in politics, and they're freaking out about it. I think it's I think it's humorous. I so think it's funny. One one of the things I, I wanted to talk about about the uh, ban was the fact that you know people are like, why didn't he ban Saudi Arabia? Oh, you know why? Because Saudi Arabia does business with the Trump Corporation. See, that's a load of crap. You know, but Egypt really doesn't do a hell of a lot of business. No, well, they're not that's in a there. crock. What it boils down to, and if you did your research, you'd be able to see this, that those seven countries, right, that he put on that list have unstable governments. Mm-hmm. Those governments don't have proper documentation of the people that are leaving that country anyway. You don't know their backgrounds. You don't know who they are, where they were born, what their birth dates are, none of that. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything. Syria, I don't know if they even have any records of anybody right. living in that country anymore because everything's been blown to hell. They're, they're leaving the country with the clothes on their back. Right. So who is who? Right. And we're just giving out green cards like they're coming from a Pez dispenser, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have to stop that, mm-hmm. right? We have to validate who you are. Now- People are saying that uh, people, the, the president and his administration are crossing the line by asking for social media access. So they've been asking through the grapevine, so I've heard. I haven't seen any documented reports of this yet. Yeah, but I've they're asking for access for people's social media platforms. The, the refugees. Right. All right. So they're coming in and they want to know, they want their Facebook access so they can see. Right, you know, Facebook, Twitter. Really they want to know if they're. Didn't really think a lot of refugees had Facebook. Well, actually, a lot of them would. Really, communication wise. Right. Well, okay. they, they don't have much communication. They don't have a lot of landlines. You mm-hmm. ever see the way some of these electrical systems are set up in these countries? Yeah, they're they're pretty rigged. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's bad. I mean, we get mad when we see a wire hanging <laughs> too low on the street, right? <laughs> yeah. They got 150 wires. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're just laying. Around they're just the laying roads. on the right. <laughs> 
It's like who's going to get zapped when they whiz on the electric fence today? You know, it's that's that's kind of how they live out there. And and so yeah, they all have some kind of means of communication. Mm-hmm. So uh, some people are like, well, that crosses the line. I don't think that does. No. Here here's why. Okay. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, today's Al Qaeda and ISIS and and these other terrorist groups utilize social media as a recruiting tool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they all have their they call and in the dark web they have uh, their their websites and then uh, they have their recruitment videos. You can get some of the recruitment videos right on YouTube because hmm. apparently YouTube allows that. Mm-hmm. You do anything uh, conservative based or right wing based, and you're a racist criminal. But you can put on there how to make a bomb or yeah. join Al Qaeda, and that's fine. Yeah, the best way to cut a head off. The argument then becomes, why don't we do that here? Okay. Why don't we do that to the homegrown terrorist? Mm-hmm. Why don't we do that to the uh, the David Koresh's or, or the the guys up in Oregon or the ones out in Oklahoma? Well, I mean, the unfortunate part about that is is the fact that because they are citizens here in the country, they are afforded constitutional rights. You know, you need warrants in order to to really deeply pry in into somebody's personal business, and that's you know. Is it right? Is it wrong? It's a hot topic that you could debate up and down, but natural well, they're not board, forcing these refugees to give it over. They're asking. Just a suggestion. Right. Well, they got to they gotta provide something. Gotta give me something here, brother. Yeah. You, we, What's your name? Listen, Bob. Pinky so, swear. Show me your name's yeah. Bob. Where, where's your name, Bob? Yeah. We, we got a telemarketer job for you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's racist. Okay. How is that racist? That's, that's racist. Come on. Come on. That's funny. That, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I'll give no, a pinky swear doesn't cut it, folks. That's what it, you know. You keep, they have to furnish some kind of proof. Hey, all these, all these left wingers are, are. Oh, it's unconstitutional. Well, they, they were saying that they were holding up validated visas and and detaining people who were legally allowed to be here, mm-hmm. and and there was uh, three hundred ninety-two green card holders, uh, permanent residents. They weren't detained. They were held as part of the group, but then as they were vetted as they came through, oh, you got a valid green card? Okay, yeah. you can go. Yeah, You're not being held here. Right. You may move along. Mm-hmm. There's customs. Go claim your cabbage. Yeah. You know, that's... Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, Homeland Security official told CNN that green card holders will still go through additional screening and national security checks. Uh-huh, as they uh, should. But uh, unless they have a significant criminal history or links to terrorism, they're just going to be allowed into the country after the check. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not like they were holding everybody, people that should have been passed through. Uh, and nobody was being held in the airport or other detention center other than the initial group that were based upon. Because everybody else was at the airports that they were uh, dis- you know embarking from. Right. Uh, the ones that were being detained were the ones that already landed mm-hmm. in, in U.S. airports. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, though, has launched a confidential toll-free assistance hotline uh, for uh, reporting anyone to believe to be detained. So he's trying to backdoor the president. Mm-hmm. He wants you to call him if you think somebody's being detained ah. by this new ban because he wants to go and uh, uh, get rid of, you know, uh, break them out of jail, so to speak. I've never seen so many people so adamant about not protecting our, our country and the citizens as, as I've been seeing now. It's unbelievable. 
Okay, it's a it's an inconvenience for green card holders and people that are they're legally legitimately allowed to be here. It may be an inconvenience, but for the greater freaking good people, this this is our country that we're we're dealing with here. And 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 the countries that are on here, I mean, Iran, mm-hmm. Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Libya, Yemen, Somalia. Right. These, we're not talking France. Right. We're not talking Morocco or Egypt or, you know, uh, uh, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of those. We're talking about the hotbed yeah. of Muslim terrorism, mm-hmm. Islamic radicals. Yeah. Right? He said it. He said it a hundred times. This is not banning Muslims. This is a temporary ban on anybody coming from these countries. seven countries. Yeah. There's what is there? Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's approximately forty, give or take, countries. In the world that are uh, predominantly Muslim-run, I guess you can say well, Muslim, sure. you got, Muslim-oriented, you know, right? Yeah, you got Qatar, if you, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, right. Egypt, if he was Ethiopia, sitting there all of those. In, in the Oval Office banning all Muslims from coming in the country. That list would be massive. He, there would be so many more, and then I can understand. Okay, you guys want to bitch and moan and, and have a fit? Okay, may, you might have something to it. But these are basically from the Obama administration and before, like you said. Uh, these are what was pinpointed by the FBI, by the Secret Service. Right. So by this the, is this has gone back now three presidents. Right. So Bush is the one that originally had these seven nations. Yeah. Obama continued the 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 reign that these seven were the hotbeds yeah. of terrorism, mm-hmm. and now Trump is doing something about those seven. So yeah. Nations. Because the past president had no spine to do something. So basically, he left it. Hey, here you go. Here's the seven countries that are that are a hotbed for terrorist activity. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. It's, it was like a setup. Like Obama gave them gave him the key and said, "Here you go. These are this is where the problem lies. Do something about it." He does something about it, and everybody's up in arms. Well, even the Republicans. So John McCain, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey from uh, South Carolina, mm-hmm. they released a joint statement uh, on Sunday. Right. So. We're taping on, on Monday today. Oh, my God, it's Monday. We're taping early. Mm-hmm. Uh, our government has a responsibility to defend our borders, but we must do so in a way that makes us safer and upholds all that is decent and exceptional in our nation. It is clear from the confusion at our airports across the nation that President Trump's executive order was not properly vetted. We are particularly concerned by reports that this order went into effect with little to no consultation yeah, with good. the Departments of State, Defense, yeah. Justice, and Homeland what Security. What a crock. What a crock. Uh, I'm not done yet. We're just, uh. And I quote, this executive order sends a signal, intended or not, that America does not want Muslims coming into our country. Another crock. This is why we fear the executive order may do more to help terrorist recruitment than improve our security. <sighs> So attorney generals from 15 states issued a joint statement condemning this, saying it's unconstitutional, un-American, unlawful executive order. Okay, the Constitution so, covers on. citizens. Oh, my dude, seriously. Right, so uh-huh. here, here's, <laughs> here's, 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 okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to read you something here, right? Uh-huh. Let me know, because I got go. a little bit of rebuttal. Hold on, okay. <laughs> so... People are like, what he's doing is completely unconstitutional. It's illegal. He can't do it. Mm-hmm. From the United States Code, chapter uh, Title 8, Chapter 12, Subchapter 2, Part 2, Section 1182. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental 
to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. So in law. Following the law. To the letter. Mm -hmm. Again, the problem. They're not used to having somebody follow the law. Listen, you got okay. Did it cause confusion? Let's let's start from the very oh, beginning. Did pant it cause loads? Oh, I'm pant no, loads no of confusion. denying it. It caused confusion. It caused mass confusion at the airports. There's no denying that. But Trump also said along his campaign route. Why are we going to telegraph our plans to the enemies? Why are we going to, you know, you got Obama on the news all the time. Well, we're going to have an airstrike here in two weeks. Okay, do you think your target's still going to be there in two weeks now, buddy? Oh, you Mad Dog them. didn't wait, right? Mad right. Dog just blew. Yeah, you're not supposed up. to give away your game plan. Okay, that being said, do you think, okay, so if Trump came out yesterday and said, listen, Starting in two weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to impart this temporary ban uh, in order to properly vet these individuals coming to our country. We're going to start that in two weeks. Let me ask you this. What do you think would have happened over the course of the next two weeks? Right. We would have been flooded. People would have been climbing over themselves to get to the airport, to get here before that, that happened. So, yes, confusion occurred, no doubt about it. But in the long run, it was, again, for the safety of our, our citizens. It sucks that it created such confusion. It sucks that the media is spinning it into an anti-Muslim. It sucks that the Democrats are spinning it into an anti-Muslim uh, uh, fashion. It, it's not like that. And people just need to sit back and relax. Plus, let me ask you this, just on a side note. Do you think, it, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, suspicious American, do you think it was kind of strange that 10 minutes after this came out, there was people with signs all up and down the airports with like battery operated, lighted up signs, beautifully made? Well, who, you know what I'm saying? Who there? rigged that then? That's what I'm Did saying. Did Trump rig that? Come on. You think he's going to send people out to. to well, do how would they know this was happening? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like somebody. Somebody leaked? I think so. There might be a little bit of a... So he, he signed the order, and here's here's some of the things that people, they just think that it's a blanket ban, that's it. Mm -hmm. Screw everybody. It's a, a, an order banning travel from the seven uh, countries that we talked about for 90 days, suspending all refugee admission for 120. Right. So that's for four months, right? The, the countries affected we talked about, uh, it caps the total number of refugees at 55,000 down from the 110 that the Obama administration had put into place. So Trump said he was establishing a new vetting process to keep the radical Islamic terrorists out of the United States because we don't want them here. Mm -hmm. So uh, the courts, ACLU, Saturday night, pushing it through the courts. They got, uh, however you want to parlay this, an Obama appointee, federal judge, to put a temporary stay on the executive order pending a full hearing. So uh, what was it? The petitioners have a strong likelihood of success in establishing that the removal of the petitioner and other similarly situated violates their due process and equal protection is guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. However, they're not citizens. Right. 
There are no protections for non-citizens. The Constitution is for citizens. There was imminent danger that absent the stay of the removal that there would be substantial and irreparable injury to refugees, visa holders, and other individuals from nations subject to the 27th executive order, the January 27th executive order. Imminent danger that's sustainable and irreparable injury to refugees. Visa holders, I see. Or you have a visa, you're cleared, and they put them through. Mm-hmm. They let them through. They didn't hold them. So that's out. that's got to be taken out of the judicial equation. Right. So what harm is there going to be to refugees and other individuals who are not citizens? They are not afforded any rights under the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. There's none. Because we'll go back to that article from the U.S. Code that I read you. Right. right? ACLU argued that uh, uh, blocking the deportation uh, of all persons stranded at U.S. airports under the Muslim ban law is what they're calling it. This uh, is President Trump's Muslim ban law. Yep. So a civil rights group representing dozens of travelers held at JFK Friday and Saturday uh, with two Iraqis with ties to the U.S. Visa, uh, U.S. military that had visas. Now, one of those Iraqis was interviewed. On all the news channels, mm-hmm. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, who said he supported Trump. Mm-hmm. He supported this move because he served alongside an uh, uh, American shooter. What was his name? Kyle? Oh, uh, yeah, um, Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Yeah. So he, he was his interpreter. Mm-hmm. Uh, served with him and saw the uh, horrors. Yeah. That, that these people would bring he, well, over here. Well, he, he's smart about it. He's escaping. He's looking to escape the horrors that are going on over there by coming over here. He doesn't want it following him. So, I mean, that's that's a smart move on his part. So now you have attorney generals in multiple states filing federal lawsuits against the Trump administration. And the, they should all be thrown out. They shouldn't even be Every single one of them, because every, he's following U.S. code. Yeah. You're, you're using, these idiots are using, or trying to use the law to show that he's following, the, he's following the law to the letter. And and these people are all having a fit about it. it it's really asinine. It just shows the, the mentality that's been ingrained in the American citizens for the last eight years. Cry hard enough and you'll get your way. That's not it's not the way it is. Listen, the Constitution was put in place to protect citizens of the United States. Again, uh, race, color, creed, sexual, it doesn't matter. You're a citizen. You're protected under the Constitution. Immigrants, illegal immigrants, refugees, they're not citizens. They're not covered. It's not to say that we shouldn't have a heart and try to find a way to help them out. But just letting them in unvetted, undocumented, that's not helping anybody. You know, to say that they're all bad people, you can't say that. You can't pigeonhole them all that way because they are escaping a, a terrible situation in their home countries. Uh, I wouldn't want to live there. It's freaking god awful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, don't, I don't blame them. I'd want to come over like, here get too. Get the hell out. Yeah, I'm out of here. First, first plane I can catch. But we have to do it properly, people, and nobody's understanding that. Everybody's trying to use the Constitution uh, against itself. It's it, it's just it's such a I. It, it's, it's hypocrisy. So they, they talked to the president uh, on Sunday, asking his comments about this, right? Mm-hmm. So he wrote that the country would continue to show compassion amongst yep. those fleeing oppression, right? America has always been the land of the free, the home of the brave. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, we will keep it free and keep it safe, as the media knows but refuses to say. Yeah. So he pushed back on a criticism saying it was all about Muslims. 
Uh, to be clear, this is not a Muslim ban, he quotes, as the media is falsely reporting. This is not about religion. This is about terror and keeping our country safe. Also, uh, Homeland Security uh, Secretary John Kelly, Department of Homeland uh, Security leadership, because Homeland Security does not have a secretary, there's no cabinet position been confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. He did confer with them uh, shortly before the publication of the executive order. So uh, the fact that people are saying that, uh, like McCain and, and Lindsey Graham saying that it, it was not discussed, it was. Now, it wasn't given a, a full day for them to soak it in and it was like probably like ten minutes. Here, read this. This is about to happen. Right. This this, this is about <laughs> this, to go down, this, brother. This is coming down the pike, right. bro. <laughs> y'all, y'all best be ready. Yeah. yeah. You know. Then you got uh, what's that guy? Schumer. Did you see the? Uh, oh, the crying. Oh my God, the crocodile. Oh, oh. And you know what? I was so happy that Trump called him out on the he crocodile did. tears. Good. You know what? This this Where'd is. Where do you go man. to acting classes? Yeah, what he said? yeah, like that. Yeah, I want to know who your acting coach is. Listen, <laughs> but you're you're sitting there again. You're you're playing. Everybody on the left was so adamant that Trump was playing to the to the right's anger. Oh, he's playing to the angry American citizen. Well, the left has been doing nothing but playing to the the left's emotional turmoil. They're such an emotional group of people. So he sits up there and he throws a few tears. You know, he gets choked up over over his statement. You're you're so full of crap. It's unbelievable, and it's working though. There's, he's gathering the troops. Well, he's gathering troops, but he's also disenfranchising them. Hmm. So over the weekend, he also put Steve Bannon, who was the owner of Breitbart, Breitbart, and, yeah. uh, alt right movement guy who was claimed to be right. So he made a position for him on the National Security Council, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mm -hmm. put him on the table with the leader of every military organization in this country. That's the Joint Chiefs of Staff, right? And actually elevated him to a position that would be over them. I have a little bit of a disagreement with that. Okay. I I don't agree that uh, somebody who who made his money creating a website should have the authority to have that kind of influence snowflakes over the <laughs> over the joint chiefs of staff right that's these guys are career military men mm-hmm. they know military they know strategy they know, they know, a know thing or two. negotiations when it comes to dealing with stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah this guy knows how to write a website mm-hmm. yeah what gives him the credibility and the authority to sit over four and five star generals, admirals. None. I that's I'm I'm having None. a hard time with yeah, that. I agree with you on that one. No no authority whatsoever. And and the, the group that he's joining there, the, the NSC Principals Committee, is the top interagency group for discussing national security. Mm-hmm. So the National Security Council is a staff inside the White House that coordinates decision making uh, uh, for coordination with all the outside departments, including state and the Pentagon. David Axelrod, they said, for the Obama administration had a similar role, but he never sat in on the principal's meeting. And now Bannon will be the man mm-hmm. in the principal's mm-hmm. meeting. I just, I have, a, I have a, So that's something to keep our eye on. Yeah. That sounds I'm not, a little weird. And to me, it's weird. Yeah. Does, does he want somebody on the inside with his ear to the ground to feed him information what's going on in those meetings? Mm-hmm. Is this, is this a manner of control for him? 
In which case, then I'm I'm a little because cons- you're supposed to have your separation. You are supposed to have your separation, but at the same time, look at what the separation's done in the past. Things are a mess. He wants to do things uh, different. He wants to know what's going on. Separation has worked for two hundred something years in this yeah. country, right? You can't. That's uh, there's a reason why you have the separations, right? That's mm. one of them. Okay. Right? Leave that's that boys' club. That's their job. That's their gig. Yeah. You're an advisor. He put, he put people into those cabinet positions that deserve to be there, proven. Right. I mean, these are some tough people. This so guy let, let them do their job. I agree. Yeah. Published the website. Mm-hmm. You could you could type stuff on a computer. Mm-hmm. You made your money doing that. Yay you. Do you really think Kelly and Mattis and these people are going to like in this meeting? They'll look at you know if he starts interjecting and trying to throw his away his weight around. Do you think these these generals, these battle hardened people, are going to look at him and and I think they're going to look at him and say, "Dude, shut the f up." Well, the, and then then we're going down a slippery slope. Yeah, because then because you know, the head Cheeto in charge is going to fire people. Yeah, and he has the authority to fire any military member. He is the commander in chief. Yeah, he's the boss. He so is. you don't work with the people he tells you to work with. Yeah. He'll get somebody in there that will, mm-hmm. and we know he'll do that. Yeah, he's just see that's there's that that ego issue again for me, right? <laughs> it just he won't he, he still won't shut up, mm-hmm. right? Now this weekend he's been a little tamer than usual. He's been busy. Okay, keep him busy. But but still, manage the country, run the country, stop worrying about Twitter. Yeah. Stop worrying about what they're saying behind closed doors about you. You know, if the boys club wants to make fun of you behind closed door, that's fine because they still have to follow your orders. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lackey in there spy to rat them out. Yeah. You just you don't need that. Okay. Cuz now they're going to go back door on you mm-hmm. and you don't want that either. Yeah. I just I have a, I have a hard time I have a hard time dealing with that. Well, I, we're gonna, I, think, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see how that pans out because, uh, again, I think these these generals aren't going to are they're not going to lay down just for you know for some sneak coming into their office and. Well, I don't think they're going to just lay down, and roll over. However, el presidente es el presidente. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't believe you're so against the ego. Uh, yeah, be, maybe because it takes one to know one. Yeah, I guess. Oh, no. don't go anywhere. DNR Radio. I'll be right back. Who doesn't like to be naked? Sure, we all do. But the police usually frown upon public nudity. Well, now you can stay out of jail and look good doing so with a t-shirt from Skunk Duck Design. From sports to politics to the wide world of nerdcraft, there's a shirt for you at Skunk Duck. They even have shirts for you for 20 followers. Skunk Duck shirts come in both regular and women's cut, and with sizes from extra small to 5XL, there's a shirt for everyone. Oh, did I mention they have hoodies too? Because they totally have hoodies. Go to teespring.com slash stores slash skunk duck design to get the shirt that's right for you. That's teespring.com slash stores slash skunk duck design. New shirts are being added all the time, so follow Skunk Duck on social media at facebook.com slash skunk duck design for all the latest updates. Skunk Duck Design, the best ducking designs on the web. There are thousands of podcasts in the world. <laughs> and you chose this one? Why would you choose this one? <laughs> I don't know. This chair doesn't move, DNR Radio. 
And we're back, DNR Radio. Wow, we got a lot going on today. There's a ton of stuff happening out Busy there. News week. Oh yeah, I just I appreciate everybody being out there. Uh, we're still waiting for people to reach out and touch us, right? And that, and that, yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting for that for years. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Dude, we've been asking, we've been waiting, we've been waiting for people to join us on yeah. Skype and everything, but. Uh, maybe they forgot how to get in touch with us. Yeah, it's RadioDNR at gmail.com. RadioDNR at gmail.com. Facebook, Twitter feed, Skype. Uh, you can check out the website, dnrradio.net. And, you, you know, that'll that'll show you how to get a hold of us in many different ways. Yeah, just than one. just t- somebody, please touch me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sick of touching him. Yeah. <laughs> I need somebody else to yeah. do it. Dude, I opened up my mail today. If I, if I can just sidetrack for a moment here. Let's go off on a tangent. Uh, I, 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 uh, I sleep during the day, you know, working third shift. I go downstairs, and then the old lady brought the mail in. And, you know, I've been listening to people at work for the last couple of days who have been getting their, their Eversource bill, their electric bill in the mail. Oh, my God, it went up. It went up. Everybody's bitching and moaning about it. So I'm like, oh, great. Here I go. I'm, I'm going to be screwed. Old house, not very well insulated, a bunch of kids using electricity like it's going out of style. And I come downstairs today, the the electric bill's sitting on the table. And I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm bracing myself, butts puckered up. And I open it up. It's the lowest bill I've ever had living in my house. I've been in my house for almost 12 years now. The lowest bill I've ever gotten. So Darkseid's got a family of five. Uh Little children that like electronics. Mm -hmm. A teenage son that's got his gadgets. Yep. And he showed me his bill. $104. $104. I don't know how it happened. I wanted to put my foot through it. <laughs> I'd, I'd pull let come running in here. How the hell you do that? Yeah. I, I We sat here comparing bills. I don't, uh, you, there's some, something hey, you weird know about yours. My, my bill's bigger than your, your bill. Your bill is bigger than uh-huh. mine. That's right. <laughs> I, there's something weird going on with yours, though. I couldn't figure I it got, out. Yeah, two different suppliers on yeah. there, and only one delivery charge, but the delivery charge is more than 50% of the bill. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. And, yeah. and. It's all electricity. So, you know, my my brother is a, a the manager of a power plant. He's been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now he is running the power distribution for uh, all of uh, uh, Palm, West Palm Springs, Florida. Okay. He just got that job a couple months ago. Nice. Cake, cake deal. Good for him. And uh, it's, it's not an incredibly large science, right? You either burn stuff. Uh, to make steam, to turn a big fan that rubs a bunch of brushes and makes electricity. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yeah, science. <laughs> but yet they make a killing. Uh, they make money, hand over fist. I don't, but I don't understand why everybody was. Uh, I mean, I, maybe there's an error in my bill. Uh, I mean, you see some of the uh, uh, rag pages on Facebook, like mm-hmm. Bristol Talks and stuff like that, yeah. and, and people are tossing out their numbers. Some of those numbers are pretty, you know, the delivery yeah. charge is more than 50% yes. of the actual cost of the electricity. And that's what I did. If, uh, my buddy Keith has, I, I always thought it was like one of those pyramid schemes, you know. It like really some, is. Some third party call it what it is. Yeah. But it seems to be working. Seems to be working all right for me. So you're paying one and a half cents per kilowatt hour less than I am. Yeah, but I mean, using a ton of kilowatt hours, I mean, it yeah, adds I had up. almost I a thousand would, kilowatt yeah, hours. I mean, it, it adds up, right? Makes it makes up a big big amount of money so, that you're spending. You know, now we, I mean we're sitting in the in the DNR studio, the converted dining room. Mm-hmm. So the the lamp above us has got LEDs in them. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I told Paul Lettis that we're going to have to come up with a way to convert the rest of the house because we did the, uh, the the fluorescence. Yeah, and and I, I guess that helped. Well, fluorescents are are what average around twenty five watts. So if you have like a seventy five watt light bulb mm-hmm. uh, in your kitchen and you switch over to the fluorescent ones. I think that drops it down to like somewhere around 25 watts. So you're still saving 50, you know, going from 75 down to 25. But these new LED light bulbs, I mean, they're four, five, six watts, which is an incredible dump. You know, and we did that last year. We, we switched the entire house, every single light bulb, with the exception of our upstairs hallway. It has a track lighting and it's got like the halogens. All right. Every single light bulb in our house, we switched over to LED last year. And. It went from, like I said, you know, these are 60, 75 watt light bulbs that we switched down. The ones that we have, I think, are six watts each. Massive savings. The first month alone, we ended up cutting our bill around $45, give or take, in that in that range. After the only the first month. So, yeah, you're spending money on these LED bulbs, you know, the initial, uh, you know, buyout to get them. Because right. it's expensive to outfit an entire house. Yeah, I know we counted somewhere we got in the area 60-something bulbs yeah. in this house. It's going to be expensive, but the long run, the savings, the only thing that does suck, though, that I will say is that uh, they don't produce heat. They don't put off any heat. I have an older house. The insulation's not that great, and it's actually pretty amazing how much heat the the old-school light bulbs do throw off. You know, if you're upstairs in the bedroom and uh, you have the light on for a little while while you're getting dressed or doing whatever – you, you never noticed before the heat that it actually throws off until you don't have it. You know what I'm saying? So these these bulbs, these LED bulbs do not put off any heat whatsoever. You can have an, uh, one of these LED bulbs on for five days in a row, and you go up and you could just unscrew it right then and there without even feeling it. No owies. Nothing. So the ambient heat that it puts off isn't going to be there, but the money you save in electric, you'll see it that first month, guaranteed. It's unbelievable. DNR Radio, helping you save money. Staying green in more ways than one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's something that we're going to have to, to look into yeah. as a family. I'm telling you, go go get some LED bulbs, dude. You'd be surprised, man. It's, well, it's, the price has come down on them. I mean, when they first yeah. came out, it was ridiculous. Like $30 a bulb. Oh, yeah. Was, well, was, you're like, paying for the technology. Yeah. You know, but now you can get them like a couple bucks a bulb, two, three yeah, bucks a so bulb. It's worth, it's worth the investment. Hey, you're still going to probably, for 60-something bulbs, you're still going to probably end up soaking over $100 just for that initial switchover. Yeah. But you'll make that back within two or three months. Okay. Or at least break even. That's, That's my, what I'm looking for. Just, what's, what's my ROI You'll on break even within the first two or three months, and then after that, you'll see the definite savings. Okay. That's my promise to you, Russ. Right, well, I appreciate that, that Dark Side. I'm going to write that down. That's my guarantee to you. I'm rubber stamping that one. <laughs> Pass that one through. <laughs> so if you were uh, joining us in the last segment, we talked all about the, uh, the big Trump immigration initiative, the executive order. Uh, that uh, held people at uh, U.S. airports while they vetted their legality to be here or not. Mm-hmm. And we uh, touched on the fact that there are a bunch of uh, states' attorneys that are uh, filing lawsuits. So one of the first ones uh, was Washington, uh, the state of Washington, Attorney General up there, Bob Ferguson. Uh, he says, we are a country based on the rule of law, says uh, Ferguson, who, by the way, is a Democrat. In a courtroom, it's not the loudest voice that prevails, it's the Constitution. Exactly. That's why we'll go back to that uh, U.S. code I read before. Did he read what he put out? 
I, I, I don't know. Well, who? Apparently. The, oh, well, this you, guy? You just wrote. Yeah, yeah, apparently Ferguson? he didn't. No. We're, we're a country based on rule of law, which is what Trump's following, the rule of law, right? In a courtroom, it's not the loudest voice that prevails. It's the Constitution, which uh, doesn't really count for most of these people. No, because they're not Americans. <laughs> right. These, so, these should be thrown out. Uh, his, his lawsuit, along with several others, signal a, a big fight. Big fight coming, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the White House said that the it doesn't no matter what his his executive order will be upheld, uh, despite the fact that they're crying uh, discrimination and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, so it didn't roll out as smooth as it should have. Okay, <laughs> kind of roll, you know, smooth as cottage cheese. Yeah. All right, it didn't. <laughs> It was almost an immediate, immediate, and we touched about this in the last segment, immediate backlash, like instantaneous protests were going up mm-hmm. at the airports. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't do an MA anywhere else. They, you know, they weren't wearing vagina hats and, you know, anything. No, they just showed up at the airports. Uh, so uh, Trump's team has been vigorously defending this, right? Sean uh, Spicer, who's his press secretary, said that uh, we're confident if there's any problems, we will prevail. Mm-hmm. He said this is a national security issue. Uh, however, the uh, executive director on the Council on As- American Islamic Relations, which, by the way, and most of the free world is classified as a terrorist sponsor. Is it? Yeah. Mm. However, they uh, were holding a lot of influence in the past administration and yeah, think that they wow. have a voice here. Shocker. Uh, he says that it's the law versus Donald Trump. Ugh. So the council uh, filed lawsuit today on behalf of 20 Muslims that claim Trump's executive order violates due process and equal protection. If they're not citizens, there's no equal protection. Remember this, people. Everything that we're saying here, there's a basis on this. They're not American citizens. Mm-hmm. So the Constitution does not apply to them. Once they swear allegiance to the Constitution, which every citizen does, right? Mm-hmm. Every citizen, when they become a citizen, has to raise their right hand and pledge to follow the rule of the land, the Constitution. Yeah. And they specifically say the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, the Constitution doesn't protect them. Right. Yeah, it goes back to the catch and release of Obama. Yeah. You know, oh, what, what, what did these people expect to happen? Cut them loose with a summons. Okay, here's your court date. Show up to court this date, and we'll we'll hash it out then. And they're in the wind. Yeah. They're gone. Pew. See ya. Okay. Oh, court date. Yep. Be there. Yep. See you later. All right. Well, well yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll meet you there. I tell you what. Show up a half hour early. We'll go grab lunch first. They're gone. Yep. What do you want? What do these people expect to happen? Give them a court date, and they'll come back. Come on. So, uh, federal law gives Trump the authority to do this. We talked about that, right? However, a 1965 update to the law, which is what all these attorney generals are basing their lawsuits on, says that people should not be subjected to preferential treatment or discrimination based upon race, sex, nationality, place of birth, or place of residence. So, the White House stance is uh, the executive order is not a Muslim ban, so it's not a, a religion. Prohibits all people from specific countries that have established terror networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump indicated we give preferential treatment to persecuted Christians from Syria 
and stated that Muslims were given a priority under the previous administration. So because of that quote may doom the executive order. Because he said he is going to give preferential treatment to one class of person over another. Because some of the Muslims in Syria were persecuted as well. People that were fighting against Assad Mm -hmm. are persecuted. They're hunted down. Their families are killed. They need political asylum. What was he going to do? Give him some kind of a religious test at the border? Well, that's where the discussion came in play uh, today at work where people are like, should we have the barcodes put on us now? Mm-hmm. You know, is this the first step? Yeah. You know, to, to George Orwell here? Because everybody was talking 1984 since yeah. Trump was, was sworn in. So if you were a Muslim, you can come in. But if you were a Christian, it was almost impossible, Trump said, under the previous administration. He thought it was unfair, so we're going to help them. <sighs> so it's it's an issue. In 2016, right, last year, the U.S. admitted 38,000 Muslim refugees and 37,000 Christians. So that's a a thousand, not even a thousand people off, right? Yeah, not much of a difference. Uh, So what Trump was saying is not 100% true. Yes, uh, uh, more Muslims came in than Christians, but it wasn't like it was impossible. Right. Uh, And again, I mean, you know. Pinky swear. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian pinky swear. You can't. How do you really prove it? I mean, without just shy of giving well, them a test. Here's the. Boy, what was the what wood was used like Jeopardy theme style? Right. What, what wood was used uh, to make the crucifix? You but know? our president. And this is where he needs to shut up. Mm-hmm. He's his mouth will be the undoing of this executive order. Potentially. I mean, they have it on record. Yeah. Right. It's It's recorded. They have it. It is his voice. This is his interview where he said he's going to get preferential treatment. Okay. I can't. We can't. We, I can't defend. You I can't, can't defend, defend it. The indif- yeah. I mean, and that's, we know that where sucks. his heart is. That's what sucks. I know, but the letter of the law. Yeah. All right. So he just goes back. And, okay. Well, I can't do that. My bad. Right. So ban everybody. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't follow what I just said. Sorry about that. I overstepped my bounds. Kinda, there's kinda. something to be said for an apology now and again, Russ. Well, there's, there's something to be said for somebody that stands up and says, hey, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I'm not saying if, he's if done he it yet. he apologizes, right? Well, I'm not saying he's done it yet, but there's, there's room. There's time. <laughs> there's time. Still hopeful. <clears throat> so one of, one of the things uh, that he may not be overturned on, and I kind of like it, Signed an executive order saying that uh, any agencies that uh, write a new regulation, they need to eliminate two in order to get their proposal heard. I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm not really following it too much. Okay. So one of Trump's campaign promises was to reduce government regulation for private industry. Right. Right now, it's incredibly cumbersome for anybody to start a business anywhere oh yeah they have to jump through hoops the hoops that you have to go through you got to make sure that this uh department's covered that department gets their thing that department gets their paperwork Mm -hmm. this one gets zoned right there's just regulation after regulation after regulation you have to spend more money than you'll make in the first 10 years to get a business started Mm -hmm. just it's not worth it you want to know why businesses fail in this country this is why 
So uh, Trump has made that promise. He wants to uh, reduce bureaucracy and red tape. So whenever an executive department or agency publicly proposes for notice and comment or otherwise uh, uh, puts forth a new regulation, it shall identify at least two existing regulations that would need to be repealed. Hmm. Uh, Trump's order also includes language about the cost of the regulations, which are notoriously difficult to really put into terms. Any new costs associated with new regulations shall be offset by the elimination of the existing costs associated with two prior regula regulations. So you want to give me a new rule? For a business, okay, you need to eliminate two other rules, and the cost of eliminating those two other rules better equal or be more than what we're going to spend putting this new one rule into place. All right, that makes sense. So it's either fair trade money wise, mm -hmm. or in favor of the new regulation, and we're eliminating regulations by fifty percent. Now is that that then that's across the board? Across the board. Across the board. Okay. Everywhere. All right. Every department. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think that's good, right? Consumer watchdogs groups are jumping all over it, saying that it's, uh, uh, it's radical. Uh, they, can't, they can't really work with that. Uh, how can you demand that we eliminate two regulations to propose one when if you do that, eventually you're going to run out of regulations to eliminate? I see that. And those regulations that you're looking to eliminate may be vital to the regulation that you're passing. Hmm. Well, don't don't pick one of the ones. Yeah. Pick one of the ridiculous ones. There's there's some <laughs> ridiculous. <coughs> you, know, it's, you know, living here in Bristol, you see there there's certain areas, certain uh, areas of town where there's buildings and stuff. And you see it every other year. A new business will pop up in there. A new little small mom and pop. You know, maybe it's a. Uh, down in Forestville, there's always been that one little corner store that's they'll pop up with a computer uh, tech service and then it'll close down and something else will pop up and it'll close down. You know, these small business peoples, they have an idea. They have uh, 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 the American dream, a hope that they can do something and sustain their own lifestyle. They want they have something they're passionate about. They want to bring it to the community. And it's so that it, there's just really no and I'm not saying this against Bristol. It's not just against Bristol. It's it's nationwide. They they pop up. They get strangled with regulations and different uh, costs that they're going to have to shell out. That you're right. You're paying more to get this started up than you're going to net in a profit in years. Right. And then they end up closing their shop. They close their doors. They close the door on their dream. And it's just not fair. It isn't. You know, I haven't delved. I'm not overly knowledgeable in this uh, scenario. You know, in this subject. I've told you that before. Uh, so I don't I don't know what all the rules and regulations are, but I do know I know somebody that has their own business. It's not a brick and mortar. Uh, they do their own uh, first aid, CPR. You know, uh, right. uh, and and they struggled for the first couple of years because of different tax codes that they had to fall under and different this that and the other thing. Paying out more just just for a name of the business and everything. They are they were strangled by regulations that almost sank them. And it's just now, years later, that they're finally starting to come out to the break-even point. And they're, they're actually happy about that. And this is a side business. It's not their bread and butter. Right. Can you imagine if it was? The, the, the government makes it so next to impossible for a, a dreamer, an American dream, to come to fruition. For well, that's a, you know, I owned my own trucking company, right? Yeah, owned. 
So sad. I had to go and uh, did you know that they required this was in New Jersey anyway? I don't know if they have it in other states. I had to go and get a physical embossing stamp with my company name and date of establishment in order to uh, validate any official document I ever signed as the owner of that business. Like what, your own notary republic type right. of thing? That's why. Why? And I wasn't allowed to register my business until I had that. And did you have to pay for it year after year tax style? Well, that I didn't, but... Just like a one-time thing. That that was a one-time thing. But then, like, uh, I was a trucking company, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to pay uh, a fuel tax, right? So the fuel tax I have to pay is based upon the miles that I run in every state. Mm -hmm. So say I drive in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut but I buy all my diesel fuel in New Jersey. I have to report every calendar quarter to every state that I've driven through, telling them how many miles I drove, and then based upon their fuel tax rate, I have to pay them what the fuel tax would be if I had bought fuel in their state for the miles that I ran. So you're paying the fuel tax initially at the pump, right? and then you have to pay a hypothetical fuel tax if you bought it in these other states? Right, just for using their road for X amount of miles. Are you kidding me? No. That's ridiculous. That's every quarter. So imagine these trucking companies that operate all 48 states. Wow. Right? So, so That's the, a lot of money. The business that I work for now <laughs> is a 48-state trucking company. Mm-hmm. They have someone in the area of 14,000 trucks. Wow. Do you imagine how much money they're giving That's to states lot. just to run, drive through their states? They are never going to stop there. They don't buy anything there. They're just traveling through to get from point A to point B. They have to pay tax on those roads. That seems like a full-time job alone just calculating that. It, it, it is. There's departments that have that. Now, certain states like New York, wow. where there's tolls everywhere, tolls on bridges, they have the throughway, right? You also have to pay a highway use tax hmm. that's paid out every year. And that's specific to each individual truck. Not to mention the fact that you have to pay $550 per year per truck to the federal government. That's just for the the heavy highway use tax that the federal government charges. Then you need to pay for a surety bond, which really doesn't do anything anymore. This was really created back when you were guaranteeing certain routes, right? Right. So you have to pay for a couple thousand dollars uh, uh, every couple of months to a process server, somebody who can serve lawsuits in case you get sued. And this this is all stuff you had to deal with in yeah. your business. No, this is all on, I on did as of, the owner of my business. I mean, on top of well, did now you, you obviously you had to have some kind of a brick and mortar place like a garage. No, or it was out. Like of, that. It was out of my living room. Really? How many trucks did you have? We had a few. Wound up with uh, owner operators, and I had a, num- a number of my own trucks. And and now this is all on top of the just general maintenance of, of these trucks. Of the truck and selling the business. Holy cow! I had to go out and sell myself in order to get customers. You know, I was driving down to uh, South Carolina last April, and there, you know they got the big truck stop billboards and stuff like that. And there was one down in North Carolina, and it caught my eye. And it was advertising, it was a truck stop, and it was advertising oil changes for the big rigs, for the 18-wheelers. And it was over, well over $100. Oh, yeah. Just for an oil change. Well, those things take 
well, like I, 40 I, courts. No, I, you know, realize, so. I mean, I realize that, but it was like, oh, my God, I, I, my butt puckers up when I'm paying 20 bucks for an oil change yeah. just for my car. And, the, you know, and you think, you know, my, my vehicle every three months, four or five months, whatever the case may be, what I'm driving, these trucks are, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're out there cruising. Right. So how often do you have to get an oil change? I mean, well, it's every, every 3,000 miles. So right, it's every 20, couple of weeks. Well, no, it's not every three. We had it stretched out for a couple of companies that I worked for. We had it up to 60,000 miles, which gives it gives it two oil changes a year Wow, because of the, the chemical. But a brand new set of tires on a it tractor. Adds up. A brand new set of tires costs a truck over ten thousand dollars. Holy crap! Just uh, 18, for, for eighteen wheels. Oh no, just for ten. Oh, just for the just for the trailer. Itself? Just for the tractor. Oh man! Just for the eight power wheels and the two steer tires. Brand new tires. More than over, ten grand. Yeah. And how long do those last? You, you do it every year, year and a half. Holy crap, dude! Yeah. So that plus all these regulations, all these taxes, all these ridiculous. I mean. Yeah, next to impossible to run a business. You're 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 profiting cents, a mere cents on the dollar, <laughs> pennies on the dollar. Yeah, that so that you come in. Basically, again, it's it's killing the American dream. It, it, it you wanted to start. A, how long did you have the business for? Uh, just over five years. Oh man, you know, God bless you, dude. Then the insurance regulations kicked in. I had to pay more. I had to a, a sue a major beverage company, and that put me out of service for a bit. And then. Uh, one of my drivers damaged my equipment, so then that truck was out getting rebuilt, and then by the time I got that back, I lost another truck, and I wound up having to go belly up a half a million dollars in a hole. God. Do you have any idea what it's like to stand in front of a bankruptcy judge asking him to wipe out a half a million dollars? No, I don't. That's horrible. That that was, that was you know, the, the greatest joy in my life was creating that business, so that American dream, mm-hmm. that was mine. You know, yeah. you wake up every day and you go out and you're like, God damn, that's that's that, mine. Yeah, I own this. Come the end of the day, yeah, this is my that's baby. Me, yeah. right? There's no better pride than that. Just like when we sit here mm-hmm. and we and we do this show, just having a good time. It's it's the pride, and this is ours, right? This yeah. is we're building this up. Mm-hmm. We're working it. We're we're doing the 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 footwork. We're talking to people. This is us. You know, so. That's part of that American dream that a lot of regulation, it, it really it hurts. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help the economy. It doesn't yeah. help the American guy try to do what he wants to. You do. know, it'd be so nice to to have something like that. I don't have any, um, you know, outside. T- I'm not a crafter. I'm not. I don't have any outside talents. I, you know, for me, I find things occasionally that are almost a flash in the pan, but they're a passion. You know, years ago, I used to love playing paintball. Okay, loved it. Had a blast. Me and a core group of my friends, we would go out every weekend and play paintball. And that's, for paintball companies, it's actually kind of a lucrative business. Yeah, yeah you can get some cheap paintball markers, you know, 100 bucks or so, but they make some pretty high-end ones that are run up in the thousands. And, you know, a case of paintballs. For 2,000 paintballs, we were paying 45 50 60 bucks for a case of paintballs. You know, and we'd run through them in the matter of an hour. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're blowing paint at people like crazy, you know. <clears throat> but there was a couple of local shops that we would go to and, and buy our supplies from. And there was always something me and my friends talked about. Oh, dude, how, how badass would that be? You know, we get our own shop, you know, we'll open up our own paintball store. And, you know, that American dream. Of course, not a single one of us had a pot to piss in or a penny to rub together. So <laughs> you, you need that initial... 
got to have that funding. initial capital yeah, investment. you got to have money to make money. It's that old saying, you know. So, of course, stuff like that never happened. But I look back on it, and, and I hear these war stories from people like you and people that have had that American dream, you know, trying to make their own mom-and-pop shop, and, and they just tank. They tank because you're strangled by, by laws and regulations, rules, taxes. Here's the difference. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Would you really? I would do it again. Knowing what you know now. Knowing what I know now would make me even more dangerous. I may last a few more years. Yeah. But uh, But you would need that capital to start up. Yeah. That's it might because of the failure of that business has has put me in, in such a financial black hole that it's tough to climb out of. And right. everybody knows what that's like. Sure. Got a huge part of this country that's had to deal with that with the the two thousand eight crash. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we're just most of us just starting to come out of that. And then uh, we're hoping that uh, the reduction in, in these regulations will will be what makes us uh, uh, once again a country uh, of small businesses. Yeah. We, don't get me wrong. I love the value that a place like a Walmart or, or a Home Depot. I love the value that they provide. But of convenience. You, you see, yeah. you see the the broken faces of the people that run those departments. Those are the people that owned. The mom and pops that were put out of business yeah, by the these big box stores, stores and stuff, yeah. right? So you you lose that you lose that community feel, you lose that personal touch. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, where I grew up, uh, everybody knew who everybody was who owned the shops. Yeah. So you knew who owned the hot dog shop, you knew who owned the Kodak shop, mm-hmm. you knew who owned the men's clothing shop, and you yeah. saw them around. You saw them at church. You saw them in the grocery store. Yeah, it was community. It was it was part of that. Now, you don't. Home Depot is owned by, you know, stockbroker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know who they are. Yeah. You don't know who the owner is, and you don't know who you're talking to when you're in the store. I mean, they got the apron on, and yeah. you're assuming that they know stuff, maybe. There used to be a little, right here in Bristol, uh, on Riverside Avenue, um, there used to be a little mom-and-pop hardware store. I loved going in there. You know, uh, I moved to Bristol 12 years ago, bought my house, and I enjoyed going in there. The people were so nice. I'd go, I mean, even for my hunting and fishing license, I'd go in there and get it from them. You know, uh, certain needed, smell, there's a certain feel. Yeah. I mean, it's just that And they were homey. so, it was just so nice to be able to walk into a friendly atmosphere, a non-corporate entity. If I needed something or I had questions about something, I could walk in there and talk to these people and they would guide me in the right direction. If I needed a tool, if I needed something, you know, as a first time homeowner, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of stuff that I had to fix. I needed a lot of, you know, uh, different supplies here or there. That's not to say that I still wouldn't go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's back during those days. Uh, because, you know, financially, there were cheap some cheap, things. Right. Cheap is cheap. You know, hey, I need a new hot water heater. But if I needed fittings, if I needed sm- the smaller stuff, the, you know, fasteners, whatever, I can go in there and I can get the help and talk to these people and at least support their economy in my own, granted, maybe sometimes small way. You know, but it was nice. To, and they closed the sh- they closed shop a couple of years ago. And that sucked. It was just the, another victim of of the the mass uh, corporations squeezing out the little man, the government squeezing out the little man. Yeah, the regulations are just too they're yeah. too strict. So I mean, I, I don't have anything else that I'm uh, not to say that I'm not passionate about. But for me, yeah, I'd love to be a business owner. I just there's nothing I I don't have anything. Well, you know, what am I gonna? The days of record stores are long gone. 
I miss going to the little mom and pop record shops. Yeah, there, there was a couple here in Bristol. There was a one in uh, Berlin that I used to go to when I was a kid called Nostalgia Records, and they had all their their cassettes and albums and and uh, bootlegs and stuff. You know, and the and long it, tables oh, of the vinyl. Yeah, you got to go through through and... the vinyls. I mean, I me and my buddies would go there and spend hours in that place. You know, they had the little record shops up in the malls and stuff, and you know, eventually Strawberries and Record Town and the bigger stores. Started FYE kinda, and stuff yeah, like that. Was... You know, started undercutting them, and you know, uh, eventually all these little mom and pop type of record stores went out of, out of business. I would love to have owned one of those back in the day. That would have been cool. Now you don't see them anymore. You don't see bookstores anymore. There was one in Plainville I used to go to, um, another little mom and pop one. It was called um, the Book Exchange. Okay, it's over near where like the big Coles and yeah, Lowe's yeah, theaters yeah. are. It was across the street. They tore all those buildings down. But uh, it was called the the book exchange. It was a used bookstore. They had new books and stuff. The place was it was like a house. It was a pretty big setup. I mean, they had everything and anything you could possibly imagine. If they didn't have it, they would find it. Yeah. But you know, you walk in. You, I just went and bought a book for Connor the other day. I paid like seventeen dollars for this book. You know, they can't find it used. Maybe online. I don't buy stuff online. You know. But this this little mom and pop record store. You know, they had records. They had books. Stuff like that. Eventually, you know, the Borders and the Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that. People, you know, these places get put out of business because they get the squeeze put on them. And it just sucks for the neighborhood. It does. A nice place to walk to and and see a friendly face, somebody you know. Hey, how's it going? Hey, you got this book in store? You know, you got this record? You know, I I would like to have back then owned a place like that. But now seeing the the damage that it causes on a personal level would suck. You know, and and like I said, though, there was... (laughs) No greater pride, even now, just thinking about it, you know, uh, parts of me misses it desperately. Mm-hmm. I, I, I miss the, I still have a, a photocopy of the first ever check I received as a payment for a job I did. Really? You know, and it wasn't a lot. It was like a few hundred dollar load. It wasn't a big deal, but it was the first one ever addressed to my company. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's got to be a feeling. When you when you when you see that check and and it's in your company name and you sit there and you go, son of a bitch, I did it. I did it. Yeah. Right. That's that's a feeling that. So let me ask you: if if you were to hit the lottery, okay, would you square off, even out debts, do everything, and then you would start it up again, having the having the excess capital? Yeah. Good for you. I, so I, you still have that dream. It's you know what it was. It was great fun. I loved getting on the phone, haggling with the 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 brokers or, or the the shippers, the manufacturers. Mm. Yeah, they'd be like, "I want to pay for this load. I want to pay this, and you, I'll give you that for fuel." And I'm like, "Nah, I need a little bit of here. I'll give you some of that, but I gotta have that." You know, it's the 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 gift of the haggle. Yeah, you know the art the art of the haggle, and then the uh, uh, joy when you get the commitment because we were still faxing. Because everything had to be done by fax. You had to right. sign the contract by fax. So they, they'd they fax it to you and have your company name on it. And you'd sign it as president of the company, send it over. You got a contract. You're going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just. And then you're out there. And, and I did my own maintenance on it, too. So I'd be fixing my own stuff. And the kids would be down there. And, you know, they'd give me a tool. Or, you know, because that's how I grew up. You know, my father was an owner-operator trucker, mm-hmm. and he owned his own truck, right? So I took it a step further. I had my own authority. I got my own federal authority, and and uh, 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 my USDOT eighty-eight twelve twenty-two. I mean, those are th- it sticks in my head. Hmm. It's it's been uh, 
decade now since I've had to over a decade now since I've had to close the business. And and I remember my tax ID number. Remember my ICC number. I haven't seen you talk this passionately about anything in a long time, dude. It's well, see, there's some things when you yeah. like like I I, w- I wish I had something like that. And, or, or I love the trucking industry. I love the old school, like Smokey and the Bandit, and yeah. you know, old school trucking. Oh, I love that. CB radios. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, you can't use a CB anymore because now it's just potty mouths. Yeah, it's just bad. See, I don't have any talents. I don't have. Uh, and I'm not saying this to put myself down. I don't have any you have talent. Listen, you, you, well, listen, you, you're hey, on here. I mean, uh, uh, gift of the gab doesn't really count. But it does too. That's a, nah. that's a talent. Nah, I mean, no. Come on, no, you no. were on. You were on a, a major morning radio show yeah. in a uh-huh. major network uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, in, in a Stop, nice I'm big blushing. demographic yeah. with uh-huh. with a huge rock star. I, yeah, but that's and a, you, you know that's. That's something that anybody can do just any day. You no, were no, hanging no. out with uh, huge bands. I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Come, but, come on. But I, it was a lot of it was boiled down to right place at the right time. Listen, I flew under the radar. I did the right things, made the right deals. That's y- a talent. You know? Yeah, but that's not. You know what? I don't regret any of it. But that business is dog eat dog, and and I stepped away on my own. Uh, on, on my own volition, I, I walked away from it after on my own terms. I didn't burn any bridges. But there, there's no. It's the same thing like what we're talking about. There's no job security. There's none. No, no. They can walk in at any time and tell you you're done. Sorry, hit hit the well, bricks. That's the big box. And you're out. Even in exactly. terrestrial radio. Exactly. But what you know, I don't have. I know a friend of mine, and her husband is a a mechanic. Okay, I had a vehicle of mine that's been off uh, parked next to my garage for the last two years, not running a bit, nothing, because it was giving me some some hassles. I was sick of it. I says, I'm done with this. Well, this past summer, I decided to put it back on the road, you know, have an extra car. Connor can pay the insurance, you know, when he gets his license, yada, yada, yada. Um, It cost me some money to do all the repairs on this vehicle and whatnot. But my friend, her husband is a mechanic and a pretty damn good one at that. So he helped me uh, on the side. You know, it worked out for him. He got a little extra work because he was out of work at the time. He got some extra work. I, I got my car fixed. I helped him out here or there. You know, we made it work, got the vehicle running. The thing runs like a champ. It's like a tank now. It's freaking awesome. But here's an individual with uh, manual skills. A marketable skill. A, a marketable skill. Listen, you can be an out-of-work mechanic, but you're not going to be right. an out-of-work mechanic. People still need those skills. They're in demand. Everybody's got a car. Everybody's driving. Your car breaks down. You need a mechanic. You need somebody that you can trust. You have to find a way. He has to find a way to market himself. But there's something that, that you can bring to the table. Location is everything. You know that. You find a good location. You get a you get a garage, an empty garage that maybe has a couple of bays open. You know, and there you go. Okay, there, there you have your brick and mortar. You have your place of operation. He has a garage at his house that he does the work out of, but he doesn't have a lift. He doesn't have every single tool that he needs to do it, maybe in a timely fashion. Right. But here, here, I don't have those skills. I did. I don't have any kind of trade skills, any kind of technical skills. You know, I, another buddy of mine is a sheetrocker. Okay, and it's yeah, it's hit or miss. Sometimes uh, works there, sometimes it's not. But there's always developments being made. There's always people that are going to want to redesign the inside of their house. There's always, if you seek it out, and you have a manual skill that you can bring to the table, you will never be out of work. I don't have that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can sit here and chew the fat with anybody. I can I can gab my brains out. You know, uh, gift of the gab. But that's not. 
necessarily a paid skill to, well, to bring to market. People that. You just Who's have to market p- yourself. Yeah, but I mean, in that business that I was in, in professional radio, uh, again, there's no job security. There's, there's I mean, professional speechers. Yeah, I'm not, you yeah. know. You, you I always had a hard time talking in front of groups of people. Talk circuit. yeah, Dude, that's... I always had a hard time doing oh, I that. love it. I'm good at it. I used to have, oh, I used to have to self-medicate beforehand oh, all the time. Oh, I just, oh it was awful. I, I just shine upon me. No, get dude. that light up here. Dude, I I had to go get up on stage uh, at the Meadows in Hartford and introduce bands and and you know for Ozfest and this that the other thing. You know, I had to get up on stage and introduce bands and and you know, you at first you're like, "Ah, eh, no problem, no problem." But when you get up on that stage you and got you look 30, out and people out there. Tens of thousands of people sitting there staring at you and Hanging on your words, oh, dude, that was hor- I hated that. <laughs> I, I couldn't love stand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I keep me behind. The host behind of your the show loved it. He was out there. Oh yeah, the Digo. Yeah, you know, yeah, but he was great at it. But he again, he coming from the rock and roll background, he had that. Yeah, you know, well, he had to be perform, especially yeah. in the way he did. Listen, sitting in a studio, you know. Uh, I remember when I first, the very first time I cracked the mic to go on air, and I was nervous as hell. And the program director was like, you're in a room, alone, talking on a microphone. He's like, just think that you're talking to one person. And it didn't help. I was still nervous as hell, you know what I said? But you get used to it after a while, you you know? In a room, on the side, stuff like that, I was cool with, but... uh, to get up and do that personal speaking in front of a room full oh, of people, in no, front of a crowd of people, I I'm couldn't. good with that. So. Oh, dude, I always sucked at that. Not that I really sucked at it; it just wasn't wasn't my thing, dude. It uh, really wasn't. Well, you know, we'll, we'll make it your thing. Yeah, we'll get there again. Yeah, no, I think we'll I'm build good with this that. up. We'll no, get no, there. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'll stand. I'll stand behind you, bro. You know, stand behind, <laughs> hell, you can hide the sun behind. You me. know, doing <laughs> doing like uh, voiceover work and production work. Now everything's computerized. I remember back in the day with reel-to-reel tape, and yeah. you had the razor blade and the wax markers. I still got and, my splicer upstairs. Yeah. I got it in my box. I remember that stuff. I remember the old school way of doing it. And, and Well, but now CSB, they taught us how to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah I don't get, think they do it, it almost, You sound like a DJ. We go, wiki, 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 wak, wiki, yeah. wiki, wak. You have to <laughs> cue it up just right, and then you take the you wax take marker. The, yeah, the noise little China right. marker there. And then, yeah, now it's everything's computerized, and I, I haven't, I never hopped on that. Train. The digital. I really haven't. They so. did offer us a deal. Hmm. CSB to learn the technical stuff. We can go back to class at a yeah, very, very Because we are alumni of yes. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They did offer anytime we want to go back and, and uh we can retake the whole retake course. Retake the whole course. For a hundred bucks. Yeah. Unbelievable. And and now I mean, it's all the digital work. Yeah. I I I, I contemplated that. I'm still contemplating. You know, it. it would be cool, but that's uh I mean that that's a heck of a uh uh, a commitment but she, she did say the lady i talked to did say that you know um you don't have to go to every single course just go to what you want here's the here's the curriculum here's the syllabus yeah. uh you know if you don't want to go to television marketing class you don't have to dickie <clears throat> robinson would love to have us back there because yeah. we'd we'd go there for class and everybody be like just starting out yeah and they'd want an example yeah and and we'd raise our hand yeah. all meek and mild yeah I we'll do help. it and then we'll go in and we start ripping off another show we should do that <laughs> we should no seriously we should look this summer and see what they have for courses available right. and then uh and we'll then go in go, there like greens yeah we'll pretend we'll go undercover we'll pretend we have no idea what we're up to and then we'll just like rock it just out go in there and blow it out yeah dude that'd be fun i'm in <laughs> I don't know. I'll, hey, I'll pony up the money. I'm you in. You for 100 bucks, why not? 
Yeah. Uh, it's it extra turn. See, but it would work more for me than you because you're like you, you've got all these computer screens in here and you know what's this. You got Some this. parts. I mean, I mean, these are these are free programs. These aren't the, you know, the the ones that they use in in the but radio they stations. Work. They I mean, work great. And you know, but and you know the ins and outs of computers. You're sitting here with the mouse whipping around on what's this thing at the bottom called? Well, that's the taskbar. Okay, so you're whipping around on this taskbar thing, going from uh, uh, thing to thing, picture to picture. There, those I are, wouldn't be able to those do are that. Icons, right? Okay. So I'm going from the mixing board to Sound right. Otter to you know the web I'm, pages. To... I'm, I'm not. But here's the thing, though: is I'm not playing stupid with this. I don't know these things. I really don't. We have a computer at the house. I haven't been on that computer since 2012. And the only reason why I was on at that point was because I was home with a shoulder injury and had to do something for work. And I couldn't even do it. I had to wait <laughs> for my old lady to get home from work to even log me on the computer. I have no idea how to use any of that stuff. So when I set you up with your Facebook, that was uh, I'm still getting, huge. I, right? I'm still getting used to it. You just show, <laughs> had to show me last week. I was trying to share a post, and I couldn't get it to share. It wasn't, it wasn't sharing on my page. And you're like... Well, how are you doing it? And I'm like, well, this is it. And you're like, no, dude, you, you got to go down here and do this. I'm still trying to learn that. I just sat here before the show trying to figure out why my, my phone is acting up. And I said, it sucks. I don't want a new phone. You said, why not? What did I say? I don't want to have to learn <laughs> you how to have get to learn another one. I don't want to have to learn a new one, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, maybe if we were to go back to, I, I know I'm rambling on, but maybe if we were to go back to CSB. It'd be fun. I just think it'd be fun. You'd be, yeah, I would have to follow you, though. Why? all computers dude i went down there a couple weeks ago for just to tour the place just to talk to them and everything it's unbelievable how much it's changed since oh, i sure. went there i went there in 94 dude i mean when when we learned i mean the the the, the mixing board took up the whole desk here yeah uh, you know that we have in the studio here i was all duct tape and well yeah because you had to you had to mark the levels yeah. of who had what level and you put their mm -hmm. name on it because that's where the slide pots yeah. went to i mean the first board i ever did was a dial pot uh, yeah we had the dial pots had there. the dial pots yeah. right and then you had to measure it on the vu meter to make sure that you mm -hmm. went between minus three and zero you didn't want to over modulate i mean yeah. they taught you how to do that mm -hmm. now we don't give it to just blow it out of the water the computer equalizer fixes yeah. it yeah and, they, you know, all the studios had uh, – re there was record players. Yes. They had record players. And cart the machines. Studio. The eight-track yep. cart machines. Record players, cart machines. There was a couple of CD players for the fancy people. <laughs> a couple of those. And then there was the reel-to-reels. And it was, you know, it was everything an old-school radio station had yeah. and looked like and, and functioned as. And when I walked in there a couple weeks ago just to check it out, dude, I was blown away at just – the brightness of everything, the technology that's basically infiltrated it. It was it's unbelievable. Right, because when we learned we learned we kept it dark except to light up the board. Yeah. Get the board lit I always ambiance. It was nice. That's why you asked me to turn down the lights here in the studio. It's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you like it. I'm gonna bring some candles next week. Uh, shoot, look at you. <laughs> Speaking of next week, what are we doing? We gonna we gonna try Thursday again? Or we gonna do two weeks or what are we doing? Uh, yeah, I gotta t uh, just check the calendar. I mean, maybe I'll show up on Tuesday and we'll we'll do another Thursday. One. What did I say? You said Tuesday. I said current, dude. I'm burnt out. <laughs> Look, I That's... killed all the time by rambling. I'm sorry, dude. You're not rambling. I just what, what I thought was a pretty lively discussion. I mean, if you think we're rambling, do me a favor, let us know. How are we gonna do that? Yeah, uh, radio DNR at gmail .com. That's email, folks. Email. Uh, DNRradio.net is the website. We got Skype up and running, Facebook, Twitter feeds, a uh, million and one ways to. Not one person hit us up on Skype tonight. 
I, you know, maybe it's uh, not one person. I let out that big old description of what we were doing tonight on Facebook on my personal Listen, page, and cups always half full, bro. A, oh. I'm telling you, maybe they're so happy with what we're talking about, they got nothing to add. I they're mean, like, we, I go on the SoundCloud, I see how many uh, uh, listens we get. We get listens. Mm-hmm. I get comments from people I work with. Yeah, I do listening. too. Listening, uh, I do too. So yeah, and we did ramble on a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh no, we're good. <laughs> oh, you know what? We can only talk so much Cheeto. I know. There's, you know, there's only so much Cheetos you can digest, and then you got to switch the diet. As as much as as we're leaning one way or the other, we're still humans, and we still have a life outside of here that we like to chat about. Do we? Sometimes. Okay. I, I try, dude. I'll I, buy you on that. Uh, I'm such a boring human being. Until we decide to figure out how we're going to do this again, I'm Ross. That's Dark Side. For DNR Radio, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the flip. Peace.